It's the Bengals Nation podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Bengals Nation host Jed Demusi with Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Bengals Nation podcast, Jed Demusi and Local12.com digital editor and columnist Richard Skinner joining you 0-6 as we get ready for a home game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. want to look back at that Ravens game and Skinny, it's been a pretty similar story. A, a team that, that just looks sort of lost or um, unable to sort of get anything going offensively and then almost too late when they go down two scores, that's when they score their touchdown. Another fourth quarter flourish for the offense, but that one that just falls too short against Baltimore. I think a, a lot of it is, um, it, you know, for, for them offensively, they don't have an identity. Um, I don't. I, I. I. think they have to now be probably a pass-first team, which is not really his offense. His offense is predicated on power running game, um, using a lot of play action, using a lot of bootlegs, getting the quarterback moving around, and they. They just haven't been able to do that. And it is interesting if you look at the Rams right now. I mean, they're struggling on offense. Why? Yeah. Because they. They can't run the ball, so the rest of their offense bogs down because of it. And. Um, yeah, I mean, they have not scored a first first half offensive touchdown since for the first quarter of the San Francisco game. That's a long time to be without, and they've had, you know, you've seen it, some ugly, ugly first quarters, first quarter and a half, first halves, and then it almost seems like in the second half, well, it's desperation time, let's just do anything we can to move the football, and they've accomplished some things there, and you're right, they've, they've, they've been close in four of the six games, I mean, arguably had a chance to win four of the six games, but boy, the, the slow starts are just brutal. Brutal, and um, offensively, not really much can go on, defensively, uh, Lamar Jackson, we, we know he's a dual-threat quarterback, but first quarterback in the Super Bowl era to rush for 150 yards and throw for 200 yards. First time ever in, in, in the Super Bowl era that that's happened. So this defense, as much as we can talk about the offense, the reason why this team has yet to find a win is there really isn't a facet of this team that is performing to the level that would necessitate a win and, and the defense is is just as bad at this point yeah they're on pace to give up the six most rushing yards in a season in nfl history and if you look at actually the top 25 um all but one of those occurred before 1986 so obviously when the passing the league has become a right. passing league those rushing numbers have gone down but not against this defense and because of that you know they, you haven't gotten much pass rush but some of the reason you haven't got much pass rush is because teams are in third and twos a lot because they're able to run the football they don't get to third down a lot because they're able to run the football. Um, and, look, I know you can try to say what can you do schematically to fix that and change that. I don't think there's anything you can do. I think right now you have a defensive line group that's underachieving. Um, Carlos Dunlop has, has looked like a guy that all of a sudden career is dwindling quickly to a close. You know, Atkins is nowhere near the player he was. Your linebackers are, are, are just honestly not NFL caliber. I mean, that, that – there's your first seven on defense, right? I mean, you, 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 you're getting, um, you know, no production out of those guys, and, and that's the hard part. It's, it's hard to win games when, you know, they're going seven-yard run, five-yard run, and they start the cycle all over again, or worse, they get to third and two, and you've got a, way, a lot of ways to make a third and two. So, um, I, yeah, the only way I think the defense ever gets fixed is it's going to take multiple off-seasons to do that. And through the draft. Well, yeah, because yeah. they don't go after free agents. So, I mean, you know, why, why bother with that when, you know, you might be able to save some money on one or two guys, but, no, make sure you pay them and, and, and don't go after players that you really need. On the injury front, a lot, a lot of news going on uh, this week. It looks like Drake Kirkpatrick 
and William Jackson the third, uh, the starting two cornerbacks will not be available. Dre and Will Jackson uh, right now will be week to week. Uh, wouldn't expect them to play in this game. We'll take it week to week with those guys. Uh, will shoulder, Dre knee. Um, so next guys up at those positions, which is exciting to see how some guys respond. Some guys get some opportunities. Excited for those guys to, to step up and show us what they're made of. Yeah, I, they're not, I, I like the fact he called them week to week. And right. I think this is multiple week to week. I think this is almost telling the Jaguars, hey, they might play, so you might have to. No, they're, they're not. There's no way. Yeah, Zach, Zach Taylor, as we tape on Wednesday night or on Wednesday after his press conference, alluding to the week to week. So you're, that, that's, they're pretty much gone. Um, the good news is is that Darquez Denard has been cleared to practice, as has Cordy Glenn. We've talked about yeah. Cordy Glenn a few times, and it looks as if he is through his concussion protocol, whatever whatever that happened to be. He's able to practice. Uh, Darquez Denard able to practice. Those are two pretty big bright spots, even though right. you're losing your starting two cornerbacks. Yeah, I mean, you know, Cordy at left tackle, he's not what you were hoping Jonah Williams was going to be, but he's started a lot of games in this league at left tackle. And for the most part, he's been a, a productive left tackle, not an all-pro or Pro Bowl caliber left tackle, but certainly a, uh, a starting caliber left tackle. And that's something you haven't had. You've been down to your fifth string left tackle at this stage. Um, I guess the question is, um, and I, I was talking to you before we even did the podcast. You know, I saw him do the workout. He did a workout before the game Sunday in Baltimore, and he actually did the workout lasted probably about 45 minutes to an hour, and they put him through some paces, um, and, and he looked pretty good doing it. So the news today, I guess, doesn't surprise me, although I've watched him go through some workouts before and, right. and not be cleared. So that is good news. And the question is, though, he's a big man. Um, he hasn't been doing a whole lot. So how quickly can you ramp him up, up to speed to play? And even if he does, could you, could you consider him playing 100% of the snaps in his first game back? Probably not. But it is good news. I think the other part is getting to Darquez Denard back is certainly helpful. Uh, you know, he, he, he's a starting cornerback as a slot guy in this league. You know, maybe he gets a chance to play outside corner um, with Dre and Will down. Uh, B.W. Webb is kind of settling into that slot corner role, and, and he's done okay. I think the good part about Quez when he's in the slot is he really is a good tackler. Let's face it, um, you face all these teams that, that run end-to-end sweeps and, and, and get to the corner, and uh, maybe he's a guy that can help put a, put a stop to that. I mean, B.W. tries, but the guy's playing with a broken you know broken hand, broken wrist, whatever, he's got a cast on it. Kind of hard to be a quality tackler uh, when, when, you're, when you're doing right. that. Um, so, yeah, that is good news. I, I would suspect... It's just a guess on my part, even after we just heard from Zach. I would guess as long as Quez shows them enough in practice on Wednesday and Thursday that it's almost a, a shoe-in that he plays on Sunday just based on where you are yeah, numbers-wise at the position. I can't right. foresee a guy being cleared to practice and not playing. Yeah, because and, and of, Zach made a point. It was a subtle point towards the end um, about him that you know they had to make a decision on putting him on the pup list, and he made it sound like, well, if we hadn't, he'd probably been back by now playing we had to make the decision on on Darquez to put him on PUP and so yeah he it could have been healthy quicker um we just we didn't get a chance to see him in training camp that's the decision we made so yeah he's I, I think he's healthy we'll just have to see him in action I think that's a good sign I mean we've seen him out there rehab and he's done all that stuff he couldn't practice literally by the rule of being on the pup list he wasn't allowed to practice until after six weeks and then get cleared and he was cleared and so here we are so uh, and they they got 21 days to make a decision, and they can do it any time in the 21 days to put him on the roster. So it could come tomorrow. It could come Friday. I do think it comes before Sunday's game, and I think he plays in Sunday's game. Cordy Glenn plays Sunday. I think both play Sunday. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'll go back to Cordy. If Cordy plays Sunday, which I think he will, I really believe that because he's out of the protocol. There's really no other excuse. I don't think he plays 100% of the snaps because I'm not sure he can be right. in physical shape. But he's to on do the that. field playing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
A.J. Green sounds like he could potentially, I, I don't know, I maybe put it at 50-50, maybe worse odds maybe worse. Than, than this week. Um, but A.J. Green is, is working his way back. My question to you is, is it worth bringing him back when he's ready, or should you just at this point wait until after the bye week? I, I think it's when he's ready. I, I, there's a part of me that thinks he really does want to play against Jalen Ramsey, and he, didn't, he wasn't going to get that opportunity this week because they traded him, so the can got kicked down the road to Rams week because he's now with the Rams. So um, I, I think you do, I think it, I, your question's a good one because that's a fair one to ask. You're at that stage of what's one more week going to hurt anyway. Um, I still am not of the yoke that they, they don't consider trading him. So if you're going to consider it, do you not need to see him on the field at some point to show another team that he can play? Zach's been adamant. He's not the only voice in this organization, as you know. He's kind of the face right now in the voice. He's the only one that we're hearing from. And that's his stance on it. And it may, it may be the organization's stance. But the other part of that is is that you heard a question today being asked of Zach saying, mm. does this team need people from the outside? And his response was, I, I'm not worried about that. It's not really anything for me to talk about right now. It's we, we got these guys in the locker room that that we believe in and are, are working their tails off. And so, again, it's I, I've seen a lot of these guys work since April that didn't think they were going to get many opportunities, and now they're getting them. And um, just just really motivated and excited to see these guys get a chance to prove themselves. So, it it stands to reason that he isn't necessarily involved. In that type of personnel, but but, but but I don't know that. No, this is the thing. Yeah. No one knows that, and that's a, that's a frustrating. It's frustrating for me. I, I can imagine as a fan, it's got to be frustrating that you don't know who is responsible for reshaping this roster. Um, and that's a question to be asked to Zach probably next week. This is the last time we'll talk to him before the trade deadline because they're going to London. There's no media availability right after London, and. and if it's him, hopefully he says, it's me. I'm, I'm going to say, okay, great. Then let me. I want to see what you can do. I, I'm going to give you all the fairness in the world to give you some drafts and off-seasons to shape this roster. If it's not him and it's the people that are in this building already, well, they've had a hand in shaping the roster to the point where it's a chance for a football team to maybe go 0-16 if things don't work out well. Do I trust them to reshape it properly? And I think fans at least need to cling to the hope of, Whoever that person is, is going to be capable of reshaping this roster. That's all, that's all you got hope for for the rest of this year, right? I mean, I guess you're hoping for a win, but I hope you aspire as a fan for your team to do that. I hope they aspire for more than that. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's a frustrating thing. And I feel, I feel for Zach if they've made him suddenly the face of the franchise despite not being able to really answer those questions. That's not fair. No, it's not. And, and you've seen kind of the one recent example that – stuck out in my mind when you mentioned that was John Lynch. They, the 49ers made him a very public face and said, this is going to be the guy that, that we're entrusting to do this going forward. And And if he didn't do it, you hold him accountable. But now look what John Lynch has done with that team. He's an AJ green trade away from maybe having a Super Bowl team on his hands. Really? Okay. Now we're going into potential (laughs) trade partners. So maybe a little further down the line than I intended to get. But um, when we come back, we'll, we'll look ahead to the Jaguars this Sunday. Uh, on uh, Local 12 against the Bengals, and we'll get your prediction. We won't be getting into more of Zach Taylor's press conference this week, but I do want to point out the comments Richard Skinner made relating to Cordy Glenn were before the most recent events. Pro Football Talk reporting the offensive tackle was fined $200,000 by the team and got into an altercation with an assistant coach. So the likelihood of him playing Sunday not great. By the time you're hearing this, there may be more on the Cordy Glenn front. Richard Skinner will keep you updated on Local12.com. This week during his availability, Andy Dalton being very honest, saying this 0-6 start has taken a toll. For us, we have to take this thing, you know, 
each game's important. Each game matters. We're trying to do anything we can to get our first win, and we understand that. And so our preparation's not changing. You know, I think for us, everybody's um, doing every little thing they can do to make it as successful as we can on Sunday. And so um, as tough as it is, you, you still go to work. And, uh, you still love this game. And uh, so, you know, it's, it has been tough, though. Coming up this week on Bengals Nation, Saturday at 11.30 on Local 12, we go back in the trenches with Carlos Dunlap. Have you ever wondered what Andy Dalton's go-to smoothie is? Carlos talks to Aaron, a Bengals nutritionist who makes them for all of the guys. I'm making a smoothie for Mr. Andy Dalton here. Um, Red red rifle. We're going to get a berry banana. So we're going to use all three of our berries. We'll use some blueberries. Uh, Berries, good antioxidants, right? Helps with reducing inflammation, which is really high in athletes. If you watch Bengals Nation, you can find out what else goes into Dalton's smoothie of choice. I was keeping it 100 this week with Auden Tate. The Bengals' breakout wide receiver got a lot of attention after his game against the Ravens this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, my phone was uh, kind of blown up with that. You know, Andy just giving me a chances on a lot of them throws and, you know, just trusting me. Uh, to go get it, and then I'm just trying to make that play. It's just my thought process on those. More from Auden Tate this week, including the superhero impression I tried to get him to do. Chris Rinkle has a fan fave as well with the guy they call Bengal Jim. A lot of stuff going on. So we have a map that of the world. We have people coming in from all over the world yes. to our tailgate. Today we got uh, Spain, Germany, Mexico, and, um, and Canada in town today. So... A lot of people help help with this thing, so good good cause, good time. More from Bengal Jim this week on the show, including if he feels pressure to have a great tailgate every week. The Jaguars are in town against the Cincinnati Bengals. They are without Jalen Ramsey, who they traded earlier this week. But they've been without Jalen Ramsey They have anyway. been without Jalen for quite some time, uh, but they have officially traded him for, I mean, they get three years of Jalen Ramsey at, at, at a really cost uh at a very efficient price, and then they trade him for two first-round picks. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And a fourth, good. I believe. Two and firsts, a fourth. Yeah, yeah, it's right, pretty good right. haul. It's a pretty good haul for him. So as you look at this team going forward, Gardner Minshew sort of has burst onto the scene, whether it's his mustache or sort of his swashbuckling it's mo- it's mostly nature. mostly his mustache. <laughs> he has uh, sort of galvanized the fan base after they went out and got Nick Foles, and, and he got hurt in that first game. But this is a different type of quarterback than they've seen. Yep. In, in recent weeks, and maybe one that it's easier to scheme against because he's not as mobile. Yeah, um, but let me ask you a simple question, and, and I think you'll have the answer to this. I hope you have the answer to this. Does Leonard Fournette still have two legs? He does. Okay, well, that's a problem. Therein lies your, your problem. He's got two legs, and he's got kind of, already a 200-yard game yes, this year yeah, against Denver. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to imagine this team stopping anybody running the ball. Now, granted, some of the schemes have been different, right? I mean, Lamar Jackson's scheme is a very unique scheme. Kyler Murray, they had a couple of design runs for him, but they don't really run the zone read with him. A lot of his is scrambling around. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson, the same way. Russell Wilson, they don't have a lot of – they have a couple of design runs, but he's mostly scrambling around. Minshew, you're right. Basically, all his rushing yardage comes off of any scrambles he has. But they do have a traditional running game where they can just line up and say, here we come. And that last drive of the Ravens game was almost literally, here we come. You know we're going to run it. And they held the ball for 10 minutes. So until they can show me they can consistently stop the run, 
It's hard to believe it. I mean, they're on an epic pace, man. An epic pace. 18 plays, 82 yards. Ten, almost 10 minutes. Almost 10-minute drive in that fourth quarter that was When you the knew all they were going to do was milk the clock. And you physically – that's the thing. Everyone wants to talk about schematics, right? What can you do differently scheme-wise? You knew they were running it. He knew they were running it. He was calling run defensive plays. I guarantee it. Different, different things that they were trying to do. That was just man against man, and they were simply better. Yeah, and it was, I believe, the longest drive in the NFL yeah. to this yeah. to this point right. in the year, and that was uh, so not a lot of, of necessarily uh, hope going forward defensively. They've they're led by sort of an older guy and a younger guy, yep. and Josh Allen and Calais Campbell, who I think have combined for seven sacks. Yeah, I think they have fifteen year. in the last four games combined as a team. So right. yeah, and those two guys are good. Josh S- Allen's a wrecker. Yeah, the uh, seventh overall pick out of uh, UK. And then Calais Campbell, who has seemingly been playing for the better part of uh, a decade and a half now with Arizona and now with uh, Jacksonville. So they're formidable defensively. They they know what they like to do. They have an identity offensively. I can't see how the Bengals get it done, but we'll go to you for the prediction. Yeah, I I don't either. Um, I guess the only thing is they're two and four for a reason, right? They've got some flaws. They must have some flaws, too. And they have. They've lost a couple close games, but they've also won a couple close games. So you can kind of balance that out. So they have some flaws, too. Um, Yeah, there's nothing that you can hang your hat on other than maybe Cordy coming back as the spark the running game needs. I'm not going to completely hang my hat on that in his first game back. Um, The fact you're down your two best corners, and, yeah, you are getting – Quez probably back. That's that's nice, but it's just hard to see this team. I mean, they just they're not consistent enough on offense. They don't stop people at all on defense. And I'll have to go. I'll go Jacksonville and just a snoozer, twenty three thirteen. Twenty three thirteen, the final. And the Bengals are zero and seven if that prediction holds. Heading to London, week eight before the bye against the Los Angeles I'm sure, Rams. I'm sure those people in London were looking at Tampa last week, going, "There can't be a worse team we'll see over here this year, is there?" Yeah, there is. Well, maybe yeah, Andy Dalton. I don't know if Andy Dalton's going to throw five interceptions. No, that's as, true too. As uh, what James, James Winston, Winston did, yeah. but uh, well, well, that remains to be seen. Um, once again, you can catch Bengals Nation at eleven thirty Saturday night on Local Twelve, and then the Bengals and the Jaguars one o'clock Sunday on Local Twelve. Richard Skinner will be by Sunday night for the Sports Authority to break everything down in the event that maybe. His prediction is incorrect. We'll I hope for Bengals see. fans it's way incorrect. I really do. I, I, yeah. I, I hope it is for you guys. We'll be back next week as the team uh, looks to head across the pond. Thanks for joining us on the Bengals Nation podcast.